All right, we are live midday RTD Q and A. Excited to have a returning guest now, uh, Mr. Edward Carr, CEO of US Gold Corp. Uh, Ed, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm great, Mike. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, it is. And so uh, we last spoke a couple months ago, well before everything was well underway. Uh, I think at that time we kind of sensed that there was going to be some issues we were going to face uh, as a nation, nevertheless, you know, globally. But mm -hmm. I'm curious to get your thoughts on hopefully everything is well in your neck of the woods and, you know, everything is safe on your side as well. But I want to dive into a little bit of everything. So um, are, you, are you surprised at the response of uh, this current health scare that we're uh, witnessing? You know, I'm, I'm not really. It was a new epidemic pandemic. COVID-19 really took the world by storm. It was amazing how fast it, it spread from China over to Europe and then ultimately the United States. So I think it's just human nature to have pretty fast reactionary uh, responses to the pandemic. So locking down all these economies, you know, China went for the big lockdown because they're a totalitarian nation. They could actually literally lock people in their apartments and homes and shutting down the greater Wuhan area. Uh, Italy was really the first European nation to institute a very severe, harsh lockdown, shelter in place, followed by a lot of Europe, and then ultimately the United States and New York City really being the epicenter. And as we know, Mike, you know, caused a, a just absolute economic uh, catastrophe, you know, a cascading effect of uh, activity around the world just grinding to a halt. And finally now, after several weeks or even months in some areas, we're, we're starting to reemerge. Yeah. And so I, I'm not sure exactly what's going to be uh, what's going to be looked at um, as one of the worst uh, worst parts of all this, whether it's the great lockdown uh, that led to the response or the actual health situation itself. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have different uh, viewpoints on uh, the, the how original this is or if it's a planned event. Um, but yet, regardless of the fact we're here now. So the economy yeah. shut down 40 million people as of just the figures came out today, give or take, are unemployed. Mm -hmm. Now, reopening the economy will not reopen. They won't be able to cut on a switch. And so there's going to be some issues with that. And so the repercussions of all these actions will definitely uh, shine very favorably on metals, gold in particular, and silver mm -hmm. and everything else. So yep. what are your thoughts? So what, what, how has the current response really either sped up the need for metals or, or what? What is your thoughts on that? Look, Mike, I'll tell you, I, I think it could not be a better environment Unfortunately, you know, it's kind of negative, but it couldn't be a better environment setting up for gold and silver, the precious metals. And uh, the one thing is, as we know, the, the decline and the severity of the economy just shutting down is literally unprecedented. You know, we had record low unemployment uh, back in February, early March in the United States. And now we have the highest unemployment levels we've seen since the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So it's been catastrophic. And as you know, Mike, a lot of these jobs just aren't going to come back. You know, yeah. you see things like Amtrak announcing they're going to cut 30% of their staff, the airlines, the, the cruise industry, concerts, any large gathering of people. It, it's just not coming back right away. Yeah. So what's happened? The Congress and the Federal Reserve have gone all in at the Texas Hold'em table. All the chips are in. They printed $5 trillion already of stimulus to try and, you know, really counteract this downturn. And when you look at a country, Mike, like the United States, you know, we've got a, uh, 
uh, pretty big GDP in the United States. And a lot of economists are forecasting anywhere from a 30 to 40% GDP contraction. So I think the Fed and Congress aren't even done. They're probably only halfway there with the five trillion. You know, already Pelosi's got a new spending bill uh, before the Congress. It seems like the House is definitely in favor of another three trillion. Who knows what will happen in the Senate? But they're going to continue to print and print. And in these sort of environments, when the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government are just creating new currency units ad infinitum, people get scared. They think the U.S. dollar could debase. We've seen it in the last couple of decades in Zimbabwe, Argentina, Venezuela, you know, just in the last several years, their currencies really severely debased. So that causes gold and silver to really start catching a bit. And today we're about 1735 on gold. You know, it's about a seven year high. We're bumping up against it. You've seen Mike, some real credible analysts like Bank of America came out with a $3,000 price target on gold. And I, I think it could really happen. You know, I think that by the second half of this year, we're gonna be probably at an all time high in the gold price. I'd say we end this year around $2,000 an ounce. And why not in 2021 going towards $3,000 an ounce? I, I think it can, it can really have a pretty big run from here. Yeah, now I'm curious to get your thoughts on um, the the current pricing mechanisms for metals. And so we've always known that the true uh, out of the ground ratios has nothing to do with the spot price that's given to us by all the banking sectors or whatever. And so mm -hmm. there have been some disruptions with the delivery mechanism with the Comex bars uh, and them being able to source the bars. Give us a little bit of that. Is it does that really play into the possibility of even uh, uh, increasing the price even sooner than we expect, or or, or yeah. what do you think? Yeah, it really could, Mike. And it's a good point to point out. So the global travel and airline industry disruption has not only affected passenger travel, but it's affected the whole international cargo and supply chain. Because a lot of our products around the world these days move by aircraft. So gold is specifically one because it's small, it's dense and it's very valuable. So when you have mines in South America and Africa, they tend to produce what we call dore. You know, it's not completely refined gold. They then ship that to refineries in Switzerland or the Middle East. The bars get refined into five nines gold. And from there, it ultimately makes its way to major money centers, London, New York, and Hong Kong that really dominate the gold trade, a little bit out of Singapore. And so with the shutdown in the airline travel, you just can't get the gold bars. Yeah. So you talked about COMEX, you know, COMEX has had some real supply imbalances and they trade, you know, physical futures uh, at COMEX, not the physical. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you might have to take delivery. You know, I, I have been living, I think, as you know, Mike, the last 25 years of my life in Geneva, Switzerland. Switzerland's one of the, the biggest gold trading centers in the world. And a lot of my friends run gold desks at some of the biggest banks in the world. Mm -hmm. And I talked to these guys with this global volatility with ultra high net worth clients. And here we're talking, you know, multimillionaires or billionaires, people getting very nervous, cash in the bank now in a lot of currencies and jurisdiction is negative. So the demand for gold is going up and people want to get those gold bars. And it is dry as the Sahara Desert right now. You can't find gold bars. You know, you can't find the 12 and a half kilo bars. Maybe some banks will have a one kilo bar, but the supply chain has been severely disrupted. Plus, Mike, you know, mines have been shut in for COVID-19 for safety considerations, especially underground mine, because the virus can just rip through an underground environment. 
Refineries have been shut down due to COVID-19. So the whole supply chain is very fragile right now in the gold industry. And a little bit of demand on the buy side, I mean, the metal could certainly rip higher. Now, I'm looking at the chat as you're speaking. So once again, we are streaming live. So I appreciate Edward Carr, the CEO of U.S. Gold Corp, joining us. And I'll actually, for those that may not be familiar, we, we spoke, uh, I think it was back in February, I believe, uh, and about uh, some opportunities you had developing with through your company and whatnot. And so here's a little, little yeah. briefing for those that uh, may not know. But uh, so we have Jeff in the audience that uh, reference. He said, what's his opinion on the Shanghai Gold Exchange? And so the last 10 years, we've heard a lot about that. Give us some, is there any developments in that? And where does that play in the price discovery possibly? Yeah, you know, the, the Shanghai Gold Exchange, China, and we're seeing this specifically accelerate right now with this COVID-19 situation. Um, China certainly wants to become a world power. The United States has been the preeminent world power of the 20th century. Now in the 21st century, we're starting to see this switch from West more to East, China exerting more dominance, you know, both in international organizations, the World Health Organization with COVID recently and other things. And a lot of people believe that the Chinese, we don't know how many reserves of gold, how many metric tons the Chinese central bank actually has, the People's Bank of China. Um, it could be 1,500 metric tons, if you believe the World Gold Council. A lot of people think it might be eight, 9,000 metric tons. Mm -hmm. One thing we do know is the Chinese government hoovers up all of the domestic gold production in China. They buy it all. And they import more gold into China that they buy in the international markets through Hong Kong and Singapore. So they want to start their own gold exchange, the Shanghai Gold Exchange. A lot of people think that the Chinese government want to get, Mike, to about a 25 to 30% hard backing of gold for the RMB. And when they get there, ultimately they're in Vinny, the Wan, whatever you wanna call it, they'll come out and announce to the world, hey, look at how much gold we have. We now have a hard currency. And ultimately the Rimbini could replace the US dollar as a global reserve currency, because the dollar, as we all know, is only a fiat currency now. If the, if the RMB did have a 25 to 30% gold backing, I think that Shanghai Gold Exchange becomes very, very important because they want a center within China to be able to trade the physical to ultimately back the currency. Mm. Now, one of the things you hinted at before that question was uh, how the demand is high, but yet inventory and, and people being able to source it is relatively, it's becoming problematic. And you use the reference of drying up like the desert. And yeah. so uh, clearly there, there's, as people say, there's more than enough metals out there. It's just a matter of what price. And so you're saying that by the end of this year, we could see definitely all time highs. And so right now around the country, I think I have some viewers from Australia that was telling us about how, how costly it is out there in Australian dollars. So Outside of the Federal Reserve note, we've already really we're already seeing all time highs. And so I guess it's just a matter for the last currency that matters, the reserve currency, to really uh, make that a, a obvious thing for the world to see. Would you would you think? Yeah, that's exactly it, Mike. And you look, you know, the price of gold is at an all time high in several international currencies, the Aussie dollar, the South African Rand, you know, CAD dollars close to just about an all time high. I think Euro gold's almost an all time high. So you're exactly right. It's been U.S. dollar strength that has really, you know, stopped the gold price from going to a brand new high in USD. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, when you look at it, you know, we've had dollar strength. We've also, since the bottom of this COVID-19 sell off in early March, we've had a ripping stock market. The Dow Jones, the Nasdaq are really, you know, doing very well. 
And at the same time, we've had the price of bullion creeping up. That shows you there's real strength in gold. If the US dollar were to turn over and weaken, uh, wow, you'd see the price of gold, I think, really, really catch a bid and head upside from there. Yeah. Now, I actually had a privilege of speaking with Bob Hoy, uh, who's a geologist and also focuses on, on the mining stocks. And so I never really dive much into it. And so the exploration side and the mining side, give us a little bit of, of where they stand with all this. And so you mentioned the mines having to shut down, but yet, assuming moving forward, uh, when things are back up and reopening somewhat, there's going to be lots of opportunities there. What are some things that look promising from what you're, what you're saying? Look, Mike, this is a perfect time for the gold mining and the gold exploration industry. And this natural resource industry, this is very cyclical. So you get these really big runs, these high highs, and then the commodity crashes, the price of gold and low lows. The last big run we had was from the lows of the financial crisis in 2008, all the way through the end of 2011. So you had kind of a three full year big run, both in the price of gold and in the price of the stocks. So I think really, Mike, we're, we're basically right now in the first inning of a nine inning ball game for a big new massive bull market in the gold mining and gold exploration companies. Mm -hmm. And this is really, history is repeating the setup we're seeing right now. What first happens? The big miners with production, with cash flow, they start to leave. We're seeing 52 week stock price highs right now from guys like Barrett Gold and Newmont Mining. So these are the stocks that are leading. We got the price of gold at 1735 an ounce. One of the biggest costs of the mining industry is energy. Everyone knows the price of oil has collapsed. So these companies are very, very profitable. Mm -hmm. The second group of stocks, Mike, that'll really start to run will be the mid-tiers, the mid-tier production companies. Maybe they have 100,000 ounces a year of production, good cash flow. The projects are becoming extremely profitable now at $1,700 gold. Those stocks starts to run. And then the third leg will be these junior exploration companies like U.S. Gold Corp that have assets that can go into production. We tend to become that third leg. We can certainly be the most volatile, but also could get the potential highest uh, appreciation in the later stages of the bull market. Mm, interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. So as always, talk with Edward Carr there. So the goal is to get some questions from you guys. So I want to just open it up. If anyone has any questions on the metal sector, so I'm really curious to get your thoughts on on silver as well, because I, I must admit I'm more of a I more favor silver just because of the ability to acquire a lot more uh, in quantity at a lower cost. Now, share with us some of your thoughts on silver and how that, you know, I guess leads the way typically. But yet, where do you see that playing in as an opportunity as well? Sure, I think it's a big opportunity. And for a couple of reasons that I'll point out, you know, number one, the silver market is much smaller than the gold market. So a little bit of buying that comes into the silver market can really, really move prices. Mm -hmm. Silver is an industrial metal, as you know, is, is also as well a precious metal. So silver gets used in solar panels and, you know, a lot of the new electric vehicles that are being manufactured worldwide, use silver, dentistry, et cetera. There is, if you look back over time, you can track the gold-silver historic ratio. And gold and silver as metals usually trade in a historic ratio. It's been around 60 to one for quite a long time period. Right now today, silver is about $18 and gold's about $1,735. So doing very simple math, Mike, that's about a hundred to one ratio. So a lot of people think that silver is going to catch up because not a lot of us think that gold is really going to sell off. If gold were to go to say $2,000 an ounce, 
you know, you're looking at that 100 to 1 ratio, $20 an ounce on silver. If we get back to that 60 to 1 ratio, you know, silver can easily get up in the 30, 40, even $50 an ounce range in the next couple of years. It's not unheard of at all. So silver actually is more volatile than gold. And in these big bull markets, it can really run hard. So looking at some of the silver miners, looking at some of the silver exploration companies for your viewers and listeners out there, they can offer incredible rewards if the price of silver really starts to take off. Mm. Now, even going a little further beyond that, and so every now and then some, pe some people might ask about uh, platinum, palladium, <clears throat> never really dive much into them. I'm assuming that those are also serve as some good, pretty good opportunities as well. And then also uranium, not sure how much you, you dive into that, but you know, talk about those just a little bit. Give us some insight as to those. Sure, very high level, you know, platinum, palladium are used a lot in the automotive industry. A lot of the production comes out of South Africa. So you have to look at some of the geopolitical risks and challenges. Both of the metals over history have, have had massive runs. So if you can get the timing right, you can do extremely well on both of those. Uranium is quite interesting because uranium as well has had just some fantastic runs. You know, back in 2004, uranium uh, went from $25 a pound up to $125 a pound. And some of the uranium listed publicly traded companies had massive, massive runs. So today, the price of uranium has really been beat up. We were back down to about $25 a pound. We're creeping up now on spot to 28, 29, 30. A lot of people believe that uranium should become a strategic industry and strategic metal. The US federal government should give it like special protection for our nuclear power industry. And we should have a lot more domestic energy production. Uh, the United States relied on a long time from former Soviet bloc countries, uh, Russia, Kazakhstan, et cetera. There was this program called Megatons for Megawatts where they were dismantling a lot of their former ICBM nuclear warheads and selling that material back into the United States. Well, that's pretty much dried up now and uh, we need more uh, uranium production domestically. So I'm quite bullish on uranium and I think that the price is really bottomed out here. And the next you know, five to 10 years should be a very, very bright time for the industry. Yeah. Now, in your personal opinion, I know a lot of a lot of politicians are, are talking about wanting to go green and wanting to uh, get away from um, the carbon and just pollution, things of that nature. I, I assume that if we end up heading go down that route, then, of course, uranium as well as silver here, all types of things done for that. Now, what type of environment do you think uh, as far as use cases for those metals could we actually experience? You know, will they be become more popular for for using them for energy purposes than actually for you know, wealth preservation and things like that, or, or they, they go hand in hand? I think it goes hand in hand. And I, I really do believe, Mike, that one thing we've all seen as a, as a globe and a population is that when we shut down the world, obviously the air quality gets a lot better. You know, so yeah. that was very clear. Airplanes emit pollution, buses emit pollution, cars emit pollution. So big trucks that are moving a lot of our stuff, diesel fuel, it emits pollution. So, you know, people look out and they're like, wow, it's the first time in India we can actually look and see the Himalayan mountains. It's, wow, I'm on the Hollywood Hills and I can look down and see Los Angeles. There's no smog. So I think people will start looking at that and saying, hey, you know, we got to start moving towards uh, uh, less polluted industries, uh, less carbon intensive industries. And the Iranian industry, nuclear, there is zero carbon emissions, zero pollution. The only thing that comes out of a uranium power plant is steam. 
That's it. Of course, you have the waste, but there are ways to deal with it. There's new technology coming out. There are small mini nuclear reactors. Bill Gates is very, very uh, much behind this himself. You can go Google it and research it. And the technology's improved tremendously. So I think we're going to be moving towards that in the future, Mike. I also believe that, you know, silver, specifically in the solar industry, the price of solar, PV, photovoltaic, and even thin film is becoming really, really competitive. You don't need, you know, uh, subsidies from governments to make solar panels profitable anymore. They are basically, they can compete with hydrocarbons on their own in certain climates. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that going forward in the future. Interesting. All right. So once again, Edward Carr has joined us here for a live stream. And so as always, feel free to ask questions. And there's a question here from Pabar. It says, uh, how much above ground identifiable investment gold and silver stock or physical bullion, I believe? Not sure. Um, so it says, after you ask or how many, how much above identifiable investment ground, gold and silver stock, physical bullion? So I, I don't know the exact <laughs> to that to like an ounce or a pound but i will i will tell you this you know silver is an industrial metal so the production of silver predominantly gets used up each year again i mentioned like in the solar panels and cars and jewelry also in dentistry the silver actually gets used electronics gold on the other hand tends to stay above ground and gold certainly can go into jewelry that people can wear for wealth it can be gold coins or you get into the big central bank bars and since the beginning of human history, you go all the way back, Mike, to the Incas, the Mayans, the Egyptians, even further, since the recorded days of human history, all the gold that has been mined is still above ground, and that amount of gold would fit in less than two Olympic-sized swimming pools. Mm -hmm. So that's it. That's all the gold there is. It's very finite, and it's very precious. And by the way, the Fed and the Treasury, they just can't print gold. You know, it's limited. It really is. Yeah. Very true. There. So one of the things I want to also mention is that the, the current spot price is a lot different than what it would actually cost you to go into a coin shop if you can, you know, if you can find what you're looking for. So I've had a couple uh, precious metals dealers on the show and they were talking about the premiums. And so I'd imagine that uh, as we move forward throughout this year, not only will we see higher spot prices, but yet also would you anticipate a much larger increase on the premiums as well? That would really make it look like it's all time highs because of the cost to get your get your hands on some. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, you know, it's all about to me how many ounces of gold do you have? How many coins do you have? You know, not what is the price? And you're trying to really get those physical ounces because mm -hmm. why? Well, in negative interest rate environment, do I really want my money in a bank? I mean, think about the risk, Mike, and it doesn't matter even the currency risk. So I have my money in any bank. I'm in JP Morgan in New York City and um, negative interest rates. I have to pay the bank to hold my money. I tell you what, I'd rather have some gold myself in my gun safe at home, you know, some gold coins. But I got to get them. So I go down to your coin shop dealer friend and I say, OK, I'd like to buy an ounce of gold. It's seventeen thirty five. And he says, well, pay me eighteen hundred and fifty bucks There's one hundred and twenty dollar premium. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Premium. So that's because the physical gold is very, very precious mm -hmm. and the dealers can charge a premium because their supply is so limited. And if uh, I'm sure if any of your gold coin dealer friends had, you know, just unlimited inventory, they could sell it out very quickly, either on the Internet or, you know, through trade fairs, other things, however they do their business, because there's huge demand for physical gold right now. We just don't have the supply. So, yeah, I, I, I really think that the premiums are going to stay pretty robust on the physical side. I also think that if we ultimately do get a weakening of the US dollar, 
And if Americans start losing crowd psychology that they don't believe in that fiat currency anymore, wow, my dollar could really give me less purchasing power parity. I'm not going to be able to get a loaf of bread or a Big Mac with a dollar. It's going to cost me $10 for a Big Mac and $20 for a Starbucks cup of coffee. I better get some gold. Um, you know, that's when the prices can really start taking off. Right. So right as you mentioned, I was reading a question here from Micah. It says, uh, if metals hit record levels, what do you think would happen to the price of everyday goods? And so everybody also wants, you know, extremely, you know, high prices in metals or whatever. They want to see the increase in nominal value of their metals. But yet you got the other thing, which is, you know, the cost of everyday goods. So yeah. <laughs> I, I think, Mike, you're going to see you're going to see precious metals lead because they are kind of the, let's say, canary in the coal mine, mm -hmm. you know, the smart money the big major uh, private banks for their ultra high network net worth clients. They're selling them physical gold right now. Some hedge funds are moving into physical gold right now. Big guys have been out there on the internet, you know, Ray Dalio, Stan Drucker Miller, et cetera, all these titans of the finance industry saying, now is the time to buy gold. If you look at all the historical charts and cycles, now's the time. So I think gold's really gonna start leading and also, don't forget all of this stimulus the Federal Reserve and Congress have been printing. There's a lag effect to that to get into actually consumer prices, producer prices. I think the consumer still has a lot of power, you know, because in this COVID-19 situation, we're all locked down at home. We've been ordering goods on Amazon. So the local hardware store is unfortunately going out of business. And Amazon can almost have a deflationary effect because they're buying in bulk. So the consumers, by giving that business to Amazon, they can push prices down in the short term. But with all this stimulus flowing, all the stimulus flowing, you know, the money right now that we're giving to people because either they're unemployed or we're just giving them money to pay their bills, you know, in the beginning, that money will be saved. But then after a little while, three months, six months, that money will be spent. And the people either go on a little holiday or they will go down to Starbucks, they'll go to the movies, they'll go to the pizzeria. And that's when you'll start to see consumer prices, you know, start to move up. And, you know, we, we've definitely seen asset price inflation. That's the, the, the byproduct of all this Federal Reserve funny money printing. You see the stock market go to a new high. The Fed's out there now buying junk bonds. I mean, junk bonds, Mike, you know, it's crazy when you actually think about it. What is the Federal Reserve doing buying junk bonds? But they are literally doing everything it takes to try and stop this downturn, you know? So all of these uh, actions will have consequences yeah. and they will reverberate through prices, but it'll take a little while. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that really concerns me is that we've witnessed what happens when you buy, try to buy up everything to save the economy. Then at that point, you know, how can you sell it back? Who's going to be? There's no buyers. Like you can't unload your balance sheet of all that stuff. So, I imagine the continuation of this type of activity will ultimately lead to some type of, you know, monetary reset, restructuring, or whatnot. And so, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, um, on top of us being ushered into uh, the issuance of digital transactions solely through the digital dollar, whatever, whatever they're going to throw out there next. There's also a lot of products that people are coming up with that allow people to acquire gold and silver through debit cards or through tokenization via the cryptocurrency space. What are your thoughts on that? Will that be a part of our future way of exchanging goods and services via the digital route, but having it backed by a redeemable in gold and silver or something like that? 100%. Hmm. 100% that is coming. In fact, it's already here. And I think the powers to be, 
They want to leverage this COVID crisis to try and get rid of physical banknotes around the world. Mm. And they say, ooh, you might have the disease on a dollar bill or a euro or a British pound. Money, the physical notes are evil, don't have them. You can use your, use your phone and use Apple Pay or Alipay or credit card or digital gold or whatever it is. And the newer generation, Mike, you know, the millennials, they're very comfortable with digital transactions. I mean, they go into the store, they can go to Starbucks, they can buy that $7 Cafe Frappe Mochaccino, you know, just yeah. using their credit card on their iPhone, bing, yeah. unpaid. It's gonna be the exact same thing, I believe, ultimately with more and more. And why would the government want to do this? Well, number one, cash is anonymous. So they get rid of anonymity. You're yeah. getting rid of privacy. And as they start moving us towards these digital reserve currencies, you know, it's going to definitely be, in my opinion, a digital buck at some point. The Chinese government are moving very aggressively to a blockchain based RMB. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have digital gold. And then they'll be able to track every single thing, every single where via the blockchain of every purchase that you make. So, you know, Snowden uh, had the revelations at the NSA, and this was years ago, what they were doing, you know, through a lot of their eavesdropping programs on US citizens, imagines what's gonna happen when they have access to all of your financial records, you know, right there online, no more anonymity. Um, so yeah, I really do believe that it's coming. And um, this is gonna be a pretty big accelerating trend in the next five to 10 years. All right. And so as I'm looking through the chat, uh, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, 5G technology. You know, so I'm not sure if you follow much of that or if you have any thoughts or opinions you might want to share on that. But, you know, the, the good and the bad, because right now it's a big fog of mystery in between because it's being rolled out uh, without much testing or anything of that nature. What, what are your thoughts on 5G? Have you come up with anything on that? You know, look, I think we're going to have. 5G, 6G, 8G, 10G, ultimately 50G. You know, it's like it's like a nonstop series of Rocky movies, right? Yeah. So ultimately, technology improves, transmission speeds will improve. We mm -hmm. want telecommunications to improve. And you look at it just in my short 50-year lifetime, Mike, how we've you know evolved from a black and white TV to a you know color TV to cable, then to the internet to a PC ultimately to a phone, a laptop, an iPad that I can watch Netflix streaming on my telephone. So yeah. I need bandwidth to be able to watch a high definition movie. Um, it's all coming. And look at all of the freedom. The internet has given us, you know, a lot of the different ways we can transact, things we can do, travel industry, uh, other industries, financial industry, stock trading, et cetera. You know, we need fast processing speeds and fast telecommunication. So also, as we start moving more towards digitization, you know, blockchain technologies for everything from reserve currencies, gold, identifications, driver's license, passports, they can all go on the blockchain, you know, uh, supply chain, trade finance, all of that stuff, I believe in the future will go on the blockchain, you need 5G networks to process that. So 100%. Now, the flip side, are they moving too quickly? Could there be potential health implications, you know, are some of these powers maybe leading to cancer or other physiological issues that we don't know of? Could certainly be the case. It could. I remember when I grew up, Mike, I grew up in the Northeast of the United States in New Hampshire. And I used to, as a kid, go, go hunting a lot in Vermont. 
and there were these big um, electrical towers. So you had the big, big towers with the power lines. Mm -hmm. And there was a study after that a lot of the farmers living under those electrical cables, they ended up getting cancer. So, you know, there, there are certainly health implications of changing technologies, changing industries. And does it need to be studied? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it certainly does. Yeah, so as we draw towards the end of our chat, um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the current environment we're in now. And so I'd imagine you, you, we could probably call this a depression. I would imagine all the numbers line up that we're having experiencing a global depression. In your opinion, how long does this thing last? Will we, this be a 2020 to 2030 amongst a monetary reset? Let's play out some scenarios of what could possibly be in front yeah. of us. Yeah, and I think it definitely is a depression. I think the media is afraid to use that word. Um, but you know, when you got 30% unemployment, that's the big D, you know, that really is. And you know, Mike, they say the difference between a recession and depression. A recession is when my neighbor's out of work, a depression's when I'm out of work. I mean, there's a lot of people out of work, you know? So I, I think you gotta call it a depression. The history books will down the road. It'll probably be very fast. And I do believe we're gonna snap back. But when I say fast, you know, we're going to be in this, in my opinion, a little longer than the market certainly right now is giving it credit for. Mm -hmm. The equity markets have ripped right back. Uh, it's kind of been a bungee jump on the equity market. And the economy is not showing those life of signs yet. You know, a lot of states are just emerging. We have to be very cautious. Could there be a second wave? It might even be more dangerous than the first wave. The Spanish mm -hmm. influenza of 1918, the second wave was the deadliest wave. And there were actually three waves. So we're moving forward as fast as science possibly allows to come up, you know, with a vaccine. And I think we'll get there. But the scientists a lot smarter than me say, hey, it could be 12 to 18 months away, human trials, a full vaccine, and then rolling it out to the entire population. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really, really going to take time. Um, some industries we're seeing doing extremely well, like Netflix, Amazon, online payments, things like that. But other industries, Mike, when you talk, you know, air travel, uh the cruise industry you know concerts professional sports any large gathering of people um i think that's really going to take time i think crowd psychology is going to change mm -hmm. i think people will be cautious especially if they're older or have any pre-existing conditions i mean why would you take the risk of going out to a crowded pizza restaurant when you could just get takeout um maybe you just stay at home and you get you know uh, whole foods delivery or trader joe's whatever it is so the world's going to change and it's going to be much more cautious. And, you know, I, I heard on the financial news, they were saying, oh, by the end of this year, things are going to be great. We're going to be back to 10% unemployment. It's like, wait a minute, 10% unemployment? Are we France? Are we the United States of America? Yeah. Three and a half percent unemployment is pretty good than good old USA. You know, we don't want to get back to 10. We want to get yeah. back to half to four. I mean, yeah. let's get the economy ripping. So I think it, it has potential. The American population, the American entrepreneurs are the best on the planet. They really are. But they got to have the freedom to go out, to invent, to innovate, to do the jobs, you know, to go forward. And, and then, unfortunately, politics get involved because we're moving into an election year, Mike. You got two different opposing views. You know, sorry, but President Trump wants to open the economy as fast as he can. He wants to get the stock market ripping. He wants to get everyone back to work. And he thinks that'll give them all the votes in November. Well, Joe Biden, you know, Pelosi and Schumer want to keep the country closed definitely through the election. They want to keep the economy completely locked down. They'd love to be 35 to 40 percent unemployment going in. Oh, we got to remain safe we gotta, because they think that'll get them the White House. Yeah. So 
a lot of this becomes political. And the country is so at odds and so bifurcated, you know, that's going to cause more uncertainty going forward for businessmen, for entrepreneurs that ultimately just want to make money, don't care that much about politics. But it's, you know, business people hate uncertainty. They really do. So it's going to be tough to go out to make big investments in CapEx. And you look, we need to resupply or reshore critical supply chain industries, Mike, like the drug industry in China, you know, the rare earth industry that we need for a lot of our critical technology. We don't have any of that manufacturing capacity in the United States. It's all been outsourced to China. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully before it's all said and done, we'll be able to get back to producing things here in this country. Would you would you hope that was the case at, at the Azales on Wines? 100%. 100%. I think we will. But I do think there's going to be bumps in the road. It's not going to be a bungee jump straight up. You know, we went down and then we're going right back up and everything's going to be fine. I think this is going to be a series of up, downs, up, downs, up, downs. And people need to be really, really cautious, you know, because the equity market to me right now seems very vulnerable. It seems, you know, we're trading at 22 times forward price earnings ratios and that PE multiple is probably going to contract. So that seems very rich to me. The one area of the market that really looks attractive is gold and silver. And people should be looking at these, you know, major miners, the mid tiers and the junior exploration companies like U.S. Gold Corp. You know, this is the place to be over the next couple of years. Yeah, sounds good. So also for those that might just have jumped in as we get ready to wrap this thing up, uh, talk with Edward Carr, CEO of U.S. Gold Corp. I'll put it up on the screen here. So, Ed, for those that are, might just be coming across this and get a chance to see your website here, you know, shine a little light as to what you guys have going on there and some things that they can learn about and, uh, you know, investigating what you got going on. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thanks for that, Mike. So we're a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ. Symbol is USAU, so US Gold. Uh, We've got three great projects in the company. We're a US company with US projects on a major US exchange. Flagship project is called Copper King. It's in Wyoming, which is a fantastic state to be developing a new deposit into a mine. And then we have two district scale exploration properties in Nevada you know, really elephant country on two of the biggest gold trends in Nevada. Got a great team, um, very, very experienced board of directors. And uh, we're just trying to move our company towards discovery success and ultimately get uh, our Copper King project towards production. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, Edward Carr, man, it's always it's good to connect with you. I appreciate you for joining us and sharing your thoughts on what's going on. And definitely, you know, as, as time moves forward, have you back on in a couple of weeks or months from now and get a chance to get your thoughts then because, you know, you give great insight. So I appreciate you for joining us on RTD. And so for those that are tuning in, feel free to go visit. Uh, and so I actually put that link in the chat here if you got any questions about it. And then other than that, uh, we'll see how things play, plays out, man. I definitely am I'm praying for the best, hoping for the best, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But very interesting times, I must admit. I never saw a health pandemic being the, 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 the part of the restructuring of our monetary system, but it looks like that is the case, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, it really is, Mike. So thanks so much for having me back on. I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to you and for you and all your viewers and listeners, You know, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, yeah, really look forward to coming back on again in the future. Yes, sir. Sounds good. So everybody, it's been great hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. If you've enjoyed the back and forth, don't be afraid to donate a thumbs up. As always, I look forward to bringing you more live streams and more news updates. So be blessed, be safe. See you guys later.